This may sound really strange, but I really had a great Easter. And I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have, but I did. But here's the thing. I'm a Christian. I'm a Catholic, to be blunt. But Easter's a very special time for Christians like us. It's a special time, and it's more special because of the Wuhan flu and its effects. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think the Wuhan flu has ruined Easter. But it made me look at Easter in a way that it's not just Easter, it's Holy Week. It's everything. And I tell you, I've got Fox Nation. I watched The Passion of the Christ. And I just realized, you know what, it's Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter. I think I've grown to have an appreciation for it I didn't see before. Or at least I kind of kind of put to the side. Let's talk about the Easter in the middle of a pandemic. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I had a very busy Easter, so I wasn't even planning to do a podcast today, but I thought, you know what? I need to do it on Sunday, on Easter, no matter how late it is. It's going to come out on Monday, so you're not going to hear it. Uh, you're not going to hear it till Monday. Most of you are probably asleep. So, um, I had a great day. I really did. And I am a huge fan of Easter. The reason is very difficult for the secular commercial industry to put their spin on it that makes it a hallmark holiday for people like me. It just, I'm sorry, I, I'm i not going to buy a card with a bunny on it. and It's just, it doesn't work for me. It has always been, and it's not been just Easter, it's been the entire week. And I had, I was raised in a very strict Catholic family. My dad wasn't very strict as far as Catholicism went, but my mother was. And so I began to appreciate it. And I know that commercial, the secular commercial world, uh, probably a bad thing with capitalism, but a good thing too. I mean, it works both ways. I know that they tried to make this about bunnies and chocolate eggs. I think that failed because the thought of a rabbit giving kids chocolate eggs is kind of disgusting and probably doesn't work. But a lot of kids take that. A lot of, in the world, the younger generations see it that way. I start my Easter week as I've started when I was a kid. I just think about what happened and how it affected the world. It starts Good Friday when Jesus was crucified. When I was in school, Holy Thursday was a big deal too, because it was the day before Jesus was crucified, but I never embraced it. I get a visual every year, and it's been like 10 years, I think, that I watch Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ. That's a movie that puts me in the, the same place every year, what this guy did on Good Friday. And I did the same thing on Friday. I didn't eat anything. I fast because that's what we do. That's what I was taught anyway. 
um, no meat, nothing until 3 p.m. Because Christ started his uh, started his crucifixion theoretically at 12 p.m. and he passed away at around 3 p.m. Of course, no one's there taking notes, so you never really know. But see, the thing is, it the movie makes me think about the suffering that Christ had to do had to go through. It's hard to disconnect the celebration of Easter with the suffering that Jesus went two days before or a day and a half before. And I don't want that disconnect. I don't want it to be Easter or spring break, which is what a lot of people are calling. I want it to be Holy Week. Heck, I, I, I'm still not there, but Lent is connected to everything. And even though I'm not a huge fan of Lent, I've never, for example, a lot of people give up coffee, give up, I don't know, Twinkies, whatever they give up. I don't do that. But I realize when Lent starts, Ash Wednesday, Palm Sunday, the whole thing, it's a big deal to me. Suddenly, when I see, when I, when seen that Christ actually had to suffer, the whole bunny and Easter basket thing seems really kind of irrelevant and petty. And the greatness that is Jesus really breaks out, breaks me out of the commercialism. And I tell people this. I'm not shy about it. I really don't care about, yeah, don't give me an Easter basket. I, don't give me a, a chocolate egg out of a bunny's butt. I just don't need it. But Easter is special. And it's actually the three days of the Holy Weekend, and four days. I'm still not exactly sure why Holy Thursday is holy. But it's the entire time. Now, we're stuck at home. Unable to join our families. I know that every other Easter, Josie and I split. I'll go up to my father's house on Easter one year, and then... Josie will go to her family's house on Easter another year, and that's been thrown com into complete chaos. But you know what? This may not be a bad thing. On this holiday, I think we appreciate what we have and what we are missing because we're forced to do it. I miss my dad. And you know, I'm not bitter about it. I miss my kids. I miss my grandkids. I'm not bitter about it. Here's the thing. Though we can't be with our families today, things could be a lot worse. And they are a lot worse for a lot of other people. Think of the families who lost mem lost a family member and were not able to see that person because of this crappy virus. Yes. Josie and I actually talked about this where she said, what would happen if I got diagnosed with this virus and I had to go to a hospital. I said, well, you'd go to the hospital, they treat you, and then you'd be released. What happens if she is not going to be cured? I said they'd keep you in the hospital and you couldn't see anybody because you are deathly contagious. And she sat back and said to me, you know something? No, I wouldn't go then. I said, even if there's a possibility there more than likely you're going to 97% chance, 98% chance you're going to get out of the hospital. You won't go to the hospital. 
even though if you go home after a doctor has told you you need to go to the hospital, you would sit back and say where there's going to be a 50 to 75% chance at home you could die? That would be a better thing? And she said, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to, I wouldn't want to go to the hospital. So, now, Josie's a tad paranoid, tad dramatic, but these are questions that families have had to ask during this pandemic. And this pandemic's been around for a few months. And this, these are things that, these are hard. It's hard to see that a family member is dying in a hospital, been on a respirator for two, three weeks. And there's no saving that individual and that person will pass away alone. That's hard. Here's what I think. Easter could not have come at a better time. I think Easter is the holiday of hope and promise, not of bunnies and colored Easter eggs. I think Pope Francis in his Easter message said it best. Uh, you're going to listen to this, but the audio has sound bleed from music and another translator. But the point at the end of this minute-long clip is what I want to talk about. So, here you go. Listen. Cari fratelli e sorelle, buona Pasqua. Dear brothers and sisters, happy Easter. In tutto il mondo, l'annuncio della Chiesa, Gesù Cristo è risorto. È veramente risorto. Today the Church's proclamation echoes throughout the world. Jesus Christ is risen, He is truly risen. Like a new flame, this good news springs up in the night. The night world already faced with epochal changes and challenges that now now pressed by a pandemic severely testing our whole human family. In this night the church's voice rings out Christ my hope is risen. This is a different contagion, a message transmitted from heart to heart for every human heart awaits this good news. I did not mess the audio up. That was actually from his message. So the music and all that. I, I begin to wonder if people were actually playing around. This was not from a mass. So I have a feeling that people were playing around with the sound <laughs> during his mass, during his speech. Uh, so, eh, we'll see. It, but his message came across. The message is actually very powerful. And I like it. I believe it. I think it's... And if you don't know, I'm not a big fan of Pope Francis. I think the guy's kind of a hack. But I, whatever. I don't believe in the um, infallibility of the Pope. I believe he's infallible when it comes to the word of God, not infallible when it comes to politics or anything like that. But one of the things he was basically saying is the coronavirus 
is a contagion of the lungs and the body. But Jesus is a contagion of the heart. The holidays of Holy Week, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter are contagions of the heart. They're here to bring hope. They are proof that God saves us. And that proof is that he sacrificed his only son, Jesus, to save us. And that he would take care of everything. Suddenly, not spending time with family and eating honey-glazed ham is not so important. A Zoom meeting with my parents, my kids, and my grandkids is enough. They're all in good health. And that should be enough to make me happy. And that really did make my Easter. And when we did this Zoom message, I actually saved it because I think I'm going to keep it. I think it's going to mean something. President Trump had an Easter message uh, for us. Um, his was not quite so elegant. But the reality is what he said was pretty much the same thing. He said the same thing that the Pope said, and he said the same thing, again, not so eloquently, as our the next interview, the next message. Let's listen to President Trump. For Christians all over America, this is Holy Week. We remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So important. But this Easter will be much different than others, because in many cases, we'll be separated physically only from our churches. We won't be sitting there next to each other, which we'd like to be, and soon we'll be again. But right now, we're keeping separation. We're getting rid of the plague. It's a plague on our country like nobody's ever seen. But we're winning the battle. We're winning the war. We'll be back together in churches right next to each other. Celebrate. Bring the family together like no other. We have a lot to be thankful for. Happy Easter, everybody. Okay, so not quite as not quite as hopeful or inspirational as the pope or queen elizabeth she her her statement i think is a really great statement but president trump is in a very difficult position he's sitting back and he's trying to say okay hey it's easter happy easter to you i don't even think he's that religious to be honest with you i mean he's sleeping with hookers i uh, hookers, strippers, whatever. But the thing is, it's it's still the same message. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. And I don't know about you. I appreciate it. And that's the things we need to hear. That there is hope. That things are going to get better. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. And just stay the ground. And that's his message. It's a little bit more, a little stronger a message than Pope Francis made. But the message is very clear. Stay home. Love your family by not seeing your family. And I think it's a good message. Queen Elizabeth um, of Great Britain has also been taken completely out of her element because of this stupid virus. She had to make a State of the England speech, or State of Great Britain, I don't know what they call it, 
which she has only done once or twice before in her, I don't know, 340 years of reign. She is feeling the need to calm her country. That's why she did what she did. And she should try to do that. And she should understand how Great Britain and the rest of the world feels about her words. Boris Johnson is the leader of the country. He is the prime minister, the political prime minister. He's the man that was making the decisions. But he was hospitalized and put on uh, oxygen because of the coronavirus. And had to be had to put his second in command in charge because he could not run the country. He's smart enough to realize, you know what, I can't do this. We need to I need someone else to run this country. That is a very good selfless deed that he did. If Boris Johnson is not in the country, the words of the secondary prime minister aren't going to mean a lot. The person who people want to hear from is Queen Elizabeth. Here's the thing. I, I give a lot of crap about a king. But Queen Elizabeth, who is ceremonial in nature, she's not really a queen. Her words have great weight in that country. They have great weight in the United States, they have moderate rate in Canada, but they have great weight in Europe. Her leader, her leadership was really shown in her message, her Easter message this week. Many religions have festivals which celebrate light overcoming darkness. Such occasions are often accompanied by the lighting of candles. They seem to speak to every culture and appeal to people of all faiths and of none. They are lit on birthday cakes and to mark family anniversaries when we gather happily around a source of light. It unites us. As darkness falls on the Saturday before Easter Day, many Christians would normally light candles together. In church, one light would pass to another, spreading slowly and then more rapidly as more candles are lit. It's a way of showing how the good news of Christ's resurrection has been passed on from the first Easter by every generation until now. This year, Easter will be different for many of us, but by keeping apart, we keep others safe. But Easter isn't cancelled. Indeed, we need Easter as much as ever. The discovery of the risen Christ on the first Easter day gave his followers new hope and fresh purpose, and we can all take heart from this. We know that coronavirus will not overcome us. As dark as death can be, particularly for those suffering with grief, Light and life are greater. May the living flame of the Easter hope be a steady guide as we face the future. I wish everyone of all faiths and denominations a blessed Easter.
was a beautiful speech. And I have more respect for the Queen of England now than I ever had. I really don't care about royal politics or any of this crap. But maybe it's the way she speaks. Maybe her speechwriters rock. I mean, the gals, yeah, I don't know, 600. I think she signed the Magna Carta. She is ancient. Maybe it's the way she speaks. She's got that English accent, which really sounds kind of cool. I don't know. But it was a beautiful speech, and it was completely correct. I have nothing to add to it. That's why I played the entire speech. And one of the things I thought of when I was listening to the speech for about the fourth time, God, I wish Trump could talk like that. Now, the other thing we need to talk about is somebody else had some real positive things to say. And I don't have a clip of him, but Dr. Anthony Fauci seemed to be touched by Christ, maybe? I don't know. But he seemed to have some really happy thoughts this weekend. Now, I was surprised because Fauci is kind of a realist. And he's not the most positive guy in the world. And I, I don't blame him. He's a doctor. He's based off science. But he suddenly said some things. I, I got this from the Daily Wire. I don't know where he said it, what interview. But he said, just listen. Or not listen, because I don't have his his uh, quotes. I don't have his uh, video. But he said, quote, I think faith means different things to different people. People with a strong foundation in faith. I think it's very, very important when you go through serious, really terrible ordeals that the country is going through. I think faith helps people through this. That's, uh, end quote. By the way, that is his direct quote. I I, I don't know if someone's using commas wrong, but I'm actually reading it right from there. One of the things he Fauci did point out was his father was a man of faith. He had a lot of faith in God. Uh, he, and he continues, quote, His, which is his father, faith was extraordinary. I was always in awe of him. I think that is, I think there that, there are many, many people that way. So, faith is a good thing, end quote. Fauci also shows hope for this virus going away, going the way of the dodo. Though he might have let his optimism take the better of him, because I don't think he's going to say the same thing on Monday when they do their, their, they do their um, coronavirus task force news conference, uh, I think it was interesting that he said this. We do have to think about things like second waves and third waves and what's going to happen if the virus goes away during the summer just to come back during the winter. But you know what? I do appreciate the optimism. And I do realize that maybe he's being over-optimistic. Optim and that's just not a bad thing. Okay, this is what he said, quote, It started to turn a corner. It is the virus. It's cautious optimism that we are seeing that decrease. Okay, that's about as positive as Fauci ever gets. Once you turn that corner, quote, Once you turn that corner, hopefully we will see a very sharp decline. Then you can start thinking about how we can keep it that way and prevent it from resurging. 
I think it could probably start at least in some ways, maybe next month. That's May. We are hoping by the end of the month we can look around and say, okay, is there any element here that we can safely and cautiously start pulling back on? If so, do it. If not, then we just continue to hunker down. Now, I don't know if we're there yet, but no one knows if they're there yet. But the thing is, we need to hope we're getting there. We're getting to the end of this. And we don't know what's going to happen after. Right? We have no idea what's going to happen after. Whether this thing is going to bump, uh, rear its ugly head again or not, we don't know. But you know what? We have to have hope as a country that, yes, we're going to get through this. And one of the prominent doctors of the last 50 years saying that, yes, we're going to get through this, actually has a ton of meaning. So it was a great Easter. I was able to spend some time with my family. Even though it was virtual time, my dad had a great hat with a bow tie uh, my kids were wearing I'm quarantined and with my peeps, with my daughter and her husband, Josh. And I, even Sarah, my da other daughter, my youngest daughter, who was accepted into Pepperdine is on a waiting list to UCLA, was there. And it was absolutely a great time. We spent half hour, 45 minutes together on a Zoom chat and a Zoom uh, video conference. And it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. Probably, honestly, the best Easter I've had in a very, very long time. Josie asked me something very interesting today. She said, what's the first thing you're going to do when this whole thing ends? And I didn't know. And I think because... That's my problem. I, I'm so closed off to the fact that this is going to end. How about this? A steak at Texas Roadhouse. Not I pick up the steak and then go cook it at home. I actually go into the Texas Roadhouse and see these people dancing. How about a trip to my family's house? How about... Josie and I go on a trip to San Diego or San Francisco or a trip to um, a trip to Seattle, which she's always wanted to go. I don't know. But this is going to end. We're going to be good. I'm excited about it because I see I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I know what everyone says. Well, if you see the light at the end of the tunnel, it means you're still in the tunnel. Well, we are. We are. And that's not bad. Now, there is one artist who really has a deep impact on me, and it's Andreas Bonicelli. Bocelli, excuse me. B-O-C-I-A-L-L-I. -L -L -I. He's an Italian soprano. And a lot of people don't know this about me. I actually like some opera. For example, I like Poverate. I like Carreras. 
I like Bocelli. I love classical music, especially Beethoven. Um, I, I, I like uh, Mozart. Bach, what a shock. I, I actually do like classic music. Well, Entre uh, Bocelli actually had a uh, concert in an in the empty halls in a place called uh, a place called Duomo di Milano. I, I'm assuming it's Italian city in, in Milan. Now Bocelli is one of my favorite singers because he mixes kind of a a pop tone to him with uh, with classical opera. And classical music. I, I actually really love his music. A couple of songs that he's that really gets me is It's Time to Say Goodbye, which actually is going to be his biggest hit in the United States. It's a very sad song, and I get very choked up with it. It sounds like it's uplifting, but the reality is it's about two people breaking up. His rendition of Ave Maria is incredible. And Ave Maria for me is an insanely emotional song. I actually shed tears if I when I hear it. And I shed tears when I hear it every time he sings it. So he did this concert and his last song was Amazing Grace. And he sings it in English, which he's, again, he's an Italian, so it's got a really heavy accent, so it doesn't have it. But you can hear how beautiful his words are. And so I, I want to end this podcast with Andre Bocelli singing Amazing Grace from his Easter special from the, I don't know, Theater of Milan. I'm going to say it in English. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful. You can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can download or listen to this podcast on podcast on, uh, I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and YouTube. Visit my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. There I have the I have all of the video that I've shown you in its entirety. I also have the Pope's um, Mass, which is about an hour and a half long, at 2 a.m. Pacific Time on Sunday. This is Gene. You've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. And have a glorious Easter. And everyone, please take care of yourselves. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But now I'm fine.
'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How Ah. Uh.